Hello and good day, wonderful, magnificent, marvelous citizen of planet Earth. I hope that wherever you are, you're doing fantastic. We have a tremendous episode of the podcast for you today. We have my friend Robin Arnott on the podcast, and we are talking about the power of gaming, VR, and technology to to transform consciousness and the planet. This is a massive subject and has massive potential that I don't hear talked about very much, but we basically discuss uh, everything about gaming, VR, consciousness, and the incredible potential that lies in gaming to help transform the consciousness of our youth, of adults, of everything. There's so much potential there. So we talk about the potential of games, the Institute of Noetic Sciences. We talk about group consciousness and coherence, trans states, VR, simulation theory. Um, We talk about book references, metaphor sets, uh, how you can learn to change your programming, spiral dynamics, and interval psychology, uh, what the game of life rewards and validates, and so much more. This is a fantastic episode of the podcast. I know you're going to love it. If you want to support, please share it. Take a screenshot. Uh, let me know where you're listening. Tag me on Instagram at Matt Belair. Um, share on Facebook, on YouTube. That helps. Leave a review on iTunes, please. If it, if you like the show and you want to support, those are pure gold for rankings and are very, very appreciated. So you can consider doing that. Also, Patreon. Thank you so much to all my patrons. It helps immensely. Even if you toss a buck in the bucket, literally $1, it helps. I want to thank Yvonne Bobrun for tossing a buck in the bucket. It helps. Thank you. You can go to Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair and support the show if you wish to do that. But the best thing that you can do to support the show is one kind act today. Do something nice for someone else. Let's make kindness go viral. If you take the kindness challenge, three kind acts a day for a week, uh, I will love you for that. And I love you anyway, but please consider doing that. You'll probably get a universal wink. Something weird will happen just for you to let you know that you're on the right track. So um, thank you for that. For those of you guys who are interested in coaching and you're serious about leveling up, you want to learn more about consciousness, peak performance, flow state, discovering your life purpose, how to get there, planning and goal setting, everything around the pineal gland and all the craziness that you hear Um, about that stuff if you want to get really to the core of what works and you're interested in leveling up um, hit me up matt at zenathlete.com or go to the coaching form mattbelair.com forward slash coaching as well if you are a group or an organization and you want training for you your staff you want to web me in whatever you want to do hit me up make an inquiry there happy to help you out and speak about a variety of topics to support you and have a great collaboration and a great time Um, sign up for the email list you can get a free lucid dreaming if you go to forward slash lucid dreaming Dreaming at mattbelair.com. That is for such lucid dreaming. You will get a free lucid dreaming ebook in a guided meditation to experience. So I think that wraps that up. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, let's just get into today's episode by coming into a state of peace and coherence first. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. Now just let it out slowly, filling yourself with joy, peace, contentment, compassion, energy, abundance, connection, and ready to take on this incredible episode with Robin Arnott. Hello and welcome to the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is the CEO of Andromeda Entertainment game designer, and long-standing public speaker in the industry of consciousness technology. He was featured in Netflix Screenland and the documentary Game Loading, Rise of the Indies. 
As a lead developer of Sound Self, he has an intimate understanding of both the needs of independent development studios and the means by which technology can profoundly impact player consciousness. Welcome to the show, Robin Arnott. Thank you, Matt Belair. Thank you for having me. It's good What's to up, be here. Matt? Yeah, it's so great to see you again. Well, we met and in Austin when you had the Sound Self and I was in the room and I remember, I think it was Lyle, shout out Lyle for uh, putting us putting this together and reconnecting, but he's like, you got to try this thing. And he tried to describe it to me. And I was like, okay, you make sound, but then you see it visually. Like, I don't get it. And then you were sitting there, you're hooking everybody up. And then I got to experience it. And it was so neat. And fast forward to now understanding more about what you're doing, what your intention is, um, exploring gaming, consciousness, the integration. It's such a fascinating um, view and I think it's a massive potential to help in mindfulness and consciousness and personal development. So um, why don't you give the listeners a little bit of background about yourself, who you are and what you're working on today? Yeah, great. Thank you. Well, I'll start by sharing. I think that there's something happening and a lot of us feel there's something happening on the planet. There's something happening through human consciousness. Uh, it's taking a lot of different forms and it requires so many different kinds of expertise. And I, I hear so many stories of people waking up into a sense of purpose that is tied into uh, changing the state of human consciousness all across the globe. I'm sure that you speak to many people on your podcast who are um, and your live stream who are exactly in this mission. It seems to me that many of us are waking up into this and, and we all share the same mission, but we, we do each share uh, a different frame on it or different, to use a common metaphor, there's the, the, there's the gem or the, the crystal and we're each, we're each seeing a different sort of face of it. And for me, the face that I feel I've oriented a lot of my life around and certainly a lot of my creative energy around is video games. I've been working in independent video games for about 10 years now. I worked on, I was a sound designer for games, um, which makes it all the funnier that I couldn't find a, a microphone to take this interview with. But uh, I did the sound design on Antichamber and the Stanley Parable and, and a few other games and, and really got a heck of a game design education, especially working under Alex Bruce on Antichamber. And through that process, learned how sound can really perform profoundly affect player consciousness in a way that they're not tracking because you're not we're, we're visual thinkers we think visually which means that what you hear gets to bypass what you think so through that process i became interested not only in video games but in in how gaming can affect a person's psychology and then i had a big awakening moment for me and, and realized that gaming is gaming has the, the potential has the power it, 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 it it's a tool and, and how we use this tool is up to the creator. And we can use this tool just like you can use, um, you can use the tool to distract yourself. I think gaming, and we've, we've seen some just like amazing developments in gaming, but I think that the, it's not very aspirational. You know, what games are trying to do for the most part is distract you, make you feel a little better, in, engage you in a fantasy, engage you in uh, a power drama or something like that, which is all very good and important. You know, I don't want to push that down at all. It's just we can, we can shoot higher. And what I've seen is that gaming is just, 
an incredibly powerful mechanism for engaging a person in a way. Once you play a game, you're, you're sitting in the rules and the rules define your consciousness in the moment, which means that we can use gaming to shift a person's consciousness into heightened states, at least temporarily and, and perhaps more permanently. We'll see, but that's what I'm, I'm building this business around my own project. Sound self is, I think the very first of its kind, it's a, a video game that acts as a psychedelic. It, it shifts a person's state of consciousness as they're playing it. And I'm organizing all of my creative energy right now into this business, Andromeda, which is all about finding the other people who are working with gaming technology in this way and helping us make it, helping us leverage the incredible institutions of gaming to bring consciousness shifting technologies to anyone who's interested in ways that are more fun in ways that are more engaging you know i'm not talking about like learn to meditate while you play this game i'm talking about like like the the american ideal of gaming which is like let's have fun let's do this is crazy this is, wow you know that's what gaming is is impressing people and immersion and surprise and so on you could do all of that and shift your state of consciousness at the same time you know, I think that's actually a big part of the issue with people adopting meditation techniques is it's so boring and difficult at first, you know, but, but a game and a game, a game can help you do get past that hump and a, a game that like makes meditation learning a little more fun. Great. But a game that doesn't even tell you what it's doing, doesn't even like teach you how to meditate. It's just engaging and fun and the act of playing it shifts your state. That's, to me, that's the ultimate potential of this, at least in my lifetime, for now. We'll see. Yeah, man, 100%. Well, you kind of <clears throat> just really hit the nail on the head in a few ideas there, really big picture ideas. When you talk about the juggernauts of gaming, and gaming is so massive. I remember being at my friend's house when I first realized that there was a millions of YouTubers watching people play video games, and then it dawned on me on how big gaming is. Gaming is absolutely monstrous and it is absolutely an avenue we up until this point have not considered how we can use this to transform consciousness to assist uh, kids who want to play games who want to explore but you could teach them to explore themselves and this could work for adults as well and I think that you made another great point where it doesn't need to be boring it doesn't mean you know when people think about meditation they think about sitting in a room and it's boring and then their thoughts are going and and it's fair enough it kind of is like that a, a little bit you know but there's definitely value in it however if you can use technology and we're starting to have great technologies out there, which I'm sure you're aware of many that are making it a little bit more easier, a little bit more fun. And when you're, you know, you have these little dopamine fixes of getting to the next level, that little game, that little thing to inspire you to keep moving and get that start, man, holy smokes, we can really use this as an, as an extraordinary force. So the first question I want to ask is how would you see it played out? Let's say you could um, access all these juggernauts and you would start to de design a game or an experience, how would you merge the ideas of consciousness with how the game would work, with the gamification? Like, do you have any ideas on how you'd lay out that framework? Oh man, a lot of ideas. Um, I'll tell you what though, before we, before we go too deep into that, what I'd really love to do with you is just have, uh, just do a little short meditation with us and your listeners. Uh, if you're listening, please do engage in this. Um, 
Shall I begin that? And I'll keep it thematically on point here. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I don't know if you know this, but my in, when I do the recordings on iTunes, I always bring people through just a deep breath so they they can get centered. Um, so hundred percent, man. I'm always game. Thank you. All right. So uh, close your eyes. I'll close my eyes. If you're listening, um, go ahead. Close your eyes. Uh, even you, who's not thinking I'm talking to you, I am talking to you. Take a deep breath in. And out. And if you're listening to this live, recognize that you are doing this with many, many other people. There's something magical that happens when we drop into presence together. Tapping into your body. I learned this interesting thing recently, this idea that you don't hop off one thought by just pushing that thought away, you actually have to choose another thought. And so we're gonna do the same thing right here now. Whatever it is that's bothering you, just like let it fill you. Let it fill you entirely. Welcome it, don't push it away, just welcome it. Even trust it, there's something in there for you. With the next exhalation, bring all of your attention, choose a different thought. And this thought is going to be bringing your attention into your body, your heartbeat, your breath. So you are breathing together and listening together with all these other people. Ask yourself a question. I'm going to offer you the question, and I want you to just pay attention to the answer that comes up for you, the first one that you're trying to hide for yourself. The question is, what game are you playing right now? Don't need to judge it. What game am I playing right now? And with that little bit of awareness, recognize you can choose that game or you can choose another game, but as with a thought, we can't just go from choosing a game to nothing. We have to choose a different game. So as you come back into your surroundings, invite, and I'll invite for us in this conversation, perhaps something will come up. What game do we want to be playing? So you can open your eyes. And let's <laughs> let a new game reveal itself for us, if it wants to. Awesome, man. <clears throat> the yeah. I love guided meditations because there's, I've never had a poor one, 
you know it's it's just an it's an opportunity to explore yourself and quiet the mind and when you don't have a regular meditation practice it's hard to understand the value of shutting off your mind shutting off just the habitual thought or the first thing you're going to say rather than allowing that little bit of space that little bit of calm that little bit of um, openness to explore in a new way it is literally a different form of consciousness you have different brain waves there's different things activating in your brain it's a whole different experience and as you did that one thing i didn't even consider until that moment was when we are exploring and you are exploring and ideally this spirals off into something absolutely phenomenal because i can see the huge potential in combining gaming with consciousness and transformation is the group coherence effect and you know i just did a podcast with uh, damien lafont and he's a physicist and he is looking at uh this ultra sync where he wants to use the stadiums of of football players soccer players and all this around the world to coherently think about peace and then also try that on maybe an individual to start testing on a mass scale global consciousness and there's great research done at the global uh, institute of noetics i think that's what it is and uh and many yeah 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 and there's and there's so many other ones so with gaming you can apply that technique with literally hundreds of thousands or millions of people around the world playing the but playing that same game, the, the applications are endless. And I, I, so you mentioned, like you were talking about how you love guided meditations. I, I do too. And I love giving them. I, I think, and I found as a, as I start this business more and more, I like using guided meditations because it does alter your state, but also every guided meditation, every journey you go on is a different altered state. It's a different story. It's a different framing. And that's, you know, I do this with my investors. I do this with my, my business colleagues. I do this, you know, we'll sit together, we'll do a guided meditation. Whoever wants to lead, will lead. And you just let whatever wants to come through, come through, you know? And, and I find that helps frame, like I did this guided meditation with my team once where, and I wasn't planning this, but it's just, it's just like a visualization of imagining a, like a beam of light coming from your chest and weaving with the chest with a beam of light of everyone else in the group. And then something rising up in the middle. What is that something? And it became a very creative meeting, a very co-creative meeting. And this is actually, and I'm kind of realizing this for the first time. This is exactly how I think about game design as a game designer. I'm creating the guided meditation for everybody who's out there. Now I think games or interactive call them interactive experiences that are literally a guided meditation. I just don't think that's interesting. But when you can use the systems of a game to shape a person's consciousness in the way that you do in a guided meditation, I think that is very interesting. And then to your point, when we use that approach to game design to impact the existing systems of game design, you know, we didn't even need to change them that much, but the massively multiplayer online RPG, massively multiplayer game, um, you that that's an incredible system and when you apply this philosophy to that system what do you create you know like a big part of my mission is to find the game designers out there probably the young ones because it's the young ones who are so damn unafraid and don't know what they can't do and and just have them asking just ask them an interesting question and that question might be how do you use a game design as a guided meditation how do you use a game design to shift a state of consciousness there's so many young game designers who are interested in these things now once you ask that question you take every let's say you've been developing massively multiplayer games for a while let's say you're really interested in action games all of that doesn't go away 
it just becomes the vocabulary from which you exercise a deeper state of reflection and get to share in that. Yeah, man, 100%. Well, I put myself on mute because I'm typing notes and I want to use the language you're using because I found in researching the brain and consciousness in, in my own way, which is the probably the polar opposite of what it takes to code. I've seen coding and my cousin does it and my brain is just like not adopting that naturally, let's just say. Um, but you, you spoke about rule sets and I think that's fascinating when you talk about rule sets and uh, and a system to alter, like you're within this system, this framework, and you get to create that framework and those rule sets to alter the consciousness. And what you need to start with is the intention. When you do hypnosis, you need to figure out what the intention is. Do you want to have more confidence? Do you want to overcome public speaking? Do you want to win this championship in sport? Do you want to have the belief system to create this business and know that you can succeed, whatever that is, and you reverse engineer that psychology and that meditation for that experience. Now, apply that to gaming when it's so immersive and you have other elements because you have to do this all in your mind and that's why people are so resistant because they don't know how. That's so hard, yeah. And at first, they feel like they're not doing anything. When I go to the gym and I squat, I definitely know I'm doing something. Um, but when, <laughs> yeah. when I go to the, when I'm doing the mental rehearsal, sometimes it's like, is this affecting anything? I don't know, but over, that's why you have to do it over time because something will happen. You're like, holy crap. This stuff is for real, and that's why everybody's got to experience that. But in gaming, you could probably experience it without that, and you can add these other rule sets and these, um, uh, what am I trying to say, like auditory, digital, all of these actual visceral senses and activate them in a specific way to aim at a specific result. So I'm wondering if you could speak on how you might be able to integrate audio, visual, even VR and sense to create either a trance state, which is super easy. Look at kids. They're all in trance states. Oh and that's so right? accelerated learning happens in trance states. So mm -hmm. go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, um, wow, there's a lot there. Um, so, so yeah, gaming more than any other medium, more than music, it integrates so many different technologies and techniques and approaches, which is why I think it has one of the greatest potentials for impacting humanity uh, if we're using it correctly. As far as the how to do that, I mean, I've, I've spent the last uh, eight years or so of my life asking that myself that question and, and exploring. You know, my creative approach is, um, I think there's two ways of approaching a problem, basically. There's um, looking at the problem, and you know what problem you're looking at, and you ask it questions and you implement the answers, you know? And that's basically the scientific process. Um, if, if I'm to, to, to uh, simplify it in some way or find like the, the core effort at the center of it, you know, you're looking at a problem, you're asking a question. Another way, which we don't really, it doesn't come so naturally to us in the West because we don't have an embedded practice of this, is channeling. Um, you find silence and you let what comes through come through and you yourself are a, a tool, a finely honed tool to execute on whatever is coming through, sort of like the guided meditation thing. Um, so um, my tool being gaming, which, which I see as, a, like, I love this tool, you know, because it does integrate all these pieces together. 
and asking myself this question. Sound didn't come to me because I was trying to figure something out, like how do I alter a person's trance state? It just came to me. It just phew, appeared in my mind. And and I actually, for people who want to make um, experiences that can shift the state of a person, um, I mean, maybe maybe you'll if you, if you go in with that end and like ask ask some interesting questions, you'll come out with interesting answers. But I really think the most divine stuff comes through a moment of inspiration. We recognize that in the arts, and we recognize that in music. So for me, sound self came kind of fully formed in my mind, and as I've been working on it, it's sort of the backwards process to the more scientific process instead of or a, a reductive process. It came relatively fully formed, and as I've worked on it, I found answers coming from it to questions I didn't even know I had. So my obsession with trance and my uh, obsession with abstraction and my uh, uh, various aspects of the game design that just occurred to me, I didn't know why they'd work and then they did work. And it's only years later that I understood how they worked. And it, it's, it's, so it's, for me, it's actually looking back at my career this last 10 years and kind of taking notes on what was coming through more intuitively is is the best way I can, the, the best structure I, I've come up with that I can offer to other people for how to use this mechanism for that. Um, so here's what I've got, and it's it's my best shot. We have to, we, we have to disengage the mind. We have to, ah, <sighs> Yeah, we have to disengage the mind, the chatter, the the ceaseless identification with something, with this, the worrying, and so on. And what I found, the way, let me describe sound self a little bit, and then I'll explain why I think it works the way it does. So sound self is a virtual reality experience where you are lying down as you play this game. There's no controller or anything like that, and there's no visuals you might recognize. It's entirely abstract. But there is a microphone, and as you tone, like that, it starts to dance with you and play with you and respond to you and build music around your vocalization and harmonize with you. That's the essential thing. It actually, it produces sounds that harmonize with your voice. And the result of this, now when I first started designing this, I couldn't tell you why a design like X would lead to Y. But the result of this was an experience where people would come out of it feeling deeply entranced. Um, after years of development, they started comparing it to DMT. Um, they, I regularly see people coming out of it having had their, their first mystical experience. Um, why is it doing that? I have some vague answers that um, this is my best shot. I think a big part of why it's doing it is the breathing in and toning out gets people into a yogic breath. The vocalizing like that actually stimulates the vagus nerve, which tells your body, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe. The visuals, by being abstract, give your mind nothing to hook onto. So that, and it's overwhelming, it's visually overwhelming, it's musically overwhelming. And the result of that is that you can't mind wander. There's just too much stimulus. So as soon as you mind wander a little bit, firstly, there's nothing to hook your mind onto because it's abstract. And, and secondly, you're overwhelmed. So the mind wander appears and then just disappears. And actually there are some people who are more like addicted to mind wandering. And those people have a very, very hard time with sound self at first. They'll, they'll suffer in the experience. 
until they let go. And inevitably they do let go. And when they do, I see these people go from like tensing their hands and like feeling stressed to like laughing and crying because, you know, maybe for the first time they're experiencing in their adulthood, they're experiencing a moment without having to force something, without trying to do something, without trying to figure something out. As soon as a game design tells you, you have to figure me out, you're engaging the mind again, and you're engaging a sense of identification, identification with a person. So it's a system that invites a recurring set of action that stimulates the body in a certain way. The voice already exists in the space between your, where you are identified with yourself. You know, that voice is so familiar. It's mine. It sounds like me. But also it's out there, especially when we have these sounds that are harmonizing with it. And so it takes something that's deeply mine and externalizes it and puts it out here. And it's playing with you and dancing with you but you're not controlling it per se. It seems to have an intelligence of its own. So, so something about that, something about taking something that feels like mine, externalizing it, giving me nothing to hook onto and watching a dance that I know and feel to be mine, but also mysteriously something else, drops people into a state of deep surrender and drops people into a state of, of surrendering to the mystery. And there's always mystery. Every single moment, there's like, like your universe is mysterious. You're just habituated to focusing on the parts of it that you think you understand. But most of what's going on in any given moment is total fucking mystery. So a design that reorients your attention from what you can understand to surrendering the mystery, that is more likely to induce a mystical experience. That's a. I hope that I hope that makes sense, <laughs> bro. A hundred percent. If you take, if you deduce what it takes to create a mystical experience, or even open mindedness, or uh, to change your consciousness from beta, alpha, theta, to do all those things, you're integrating all of those things. When you talk about not having anything to hold on to, the mind is constantly looking for a reference point, and then it's jogging its memories and and, and thinking about the future, right, right, right. all those things. You're, but you're, you're creating an environment; it can't do it. So visually, you're and you're fully immersed. You can't really escape it. And the other massive ele element is integrating the breath so the body is actually functioning as it should and you're experiencing the visual sense in a different way and the audio sense in a different way and so there's no way that you can come back to cling anything and um, that's what opens up and I have you done any studies on what happens to the brain waves while they're in this a little, a little bit we've seen a huge peak in alpha huge a little bit of a peak in beta and uh, I, uh, excuse me, not beta, early beta, like um, about uh, 25 to 30 hertz, and a little bit of a beat, uh, excuse me, a little bit of a peak in uh, a boost in theta. Now, theta, for those listening who don't know, alpha is associated with relaxation, rest, uh, your body entering the, I always get sympathetic and parasympathetic confused, but the, the nervous system state where you're refreshing and relaxing, resting. So we see about a 300% increase in alpha. We see a small boost in theta. Theta is associated with dreaming. And then we see a small increase in early beta, and that's associated with new ideas and new connections. So, um, and we see that especially at the end of the experience. So the end of the experience, we invite you to close your eyes and enter a shavasana. Now, if you've ever wondered why they do a shavasana yoga, um, I've seen the, the, to my surprise in sound self like what what happens to the brain waves
It's when you enter into your, your Shavasana. It's actually the time where your brain integrates and it's where you, it's where you go deepest. And in sound self, that's where you go deepest is at the end, you have this crazy psychedelic experience and you close your eyes and you just rest. Yeah, man, a hundred percent. And I can see so many different applications for this because you can think about a big organization, right? And, and we know from studying the mind and from studying organizations and and just even talking to your neighbor that most people go through the day and then there's a lot of stress there's a lot of anxiety there's a lot of go 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 and they're not that productive and it's highly recommended to say hey you know just go out there and do some deep breathing or, or you need 15 minutes of mindfulness or you need a five minute break the challenge is that most of our society now is not really trained and understand not oriented to that their brainwave state right they just you know they're aware of it exists they might have gone to a meditation but they don't they don't really get it, but what this is really unintuitive to our society. Yeah. Our society trains us to push, 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 push. There are times where that's really adaptive, but, uh, but if you're trying to be creative and, and so many of the problems we have in our world, I think for anyone listening to this, I, I bet most of the problems they're trying to solve, if you boil them down are creative problems. And if you're trying to be creative, you have to not only take a break, but you have to drop into the dream state. You have to, and, and ideally you're dropping into a visionary state as well. Uh, that's when you're making the most connections. Yeah, hundred percent. And so, you know, I worked a little bit with Muse back in the day, the Muse meditation headband, which I'm sure you're aware of. It's a fantastic, yeah, that's cool. you know, it's, they started kind of gamifying a little bit of meditation and consciousness um, through different experiences, medit uh, measuring your brainwave states. So check them out for sure. I had Chris Amony on the podcast at the beginning, man, he's like episode 20, just out in Toronto. Um, but, but the application of that, you know, we're, we're just talking about how do we get this into corporations and, and into, you know, where there's a lot of employees but if there's like a sound self there and it's like look after you've done an hour or, or an hour and a half and then you go now go 10 minutes into this and what it's going to do is it's going to declutter clear help them go into that experience with literally no training no effort change the brainwave state then boom you come back in and you're fully refreshed because that's what happens when you change those states and yeah. the application to this you know with, back to my original question, if you had like an intention and you're using all these modalities, and I'm sure this is where you're envisioning it, but let's just say it could be a problem. And then that's the rule set you put in there. You use the same parameters of, of the sound. You could add binaural beats. You could add visuals. You could add all these, all these different things. But then the parameters might be for something a little bit more focused. And that's how maybe a, an individual or even the group or even the board gets together and they go through that experience. And then after that, then they share, you know, this is what came out. This is what I came out. And the group is now, and even in the field, who knows? I don't know if, if there's any measurable science on this, but it makes sense that there would be a group field actually coming from the bodies when everybody goes in that state with that same intention, able to drop in and to hold all in the same intention. They're going to definitely have a group, group uh, coherence effect and problem solve at a much higher degree. Well, Mike, Mikey Seagal is working. Do you know Mikey Seagal? Have you interviewed him? Or do you know his work? No, I don't. Very interesting man. Uh, he's been working on, uh, I'd call it a game. I don't think he'd call it a game, but it's an immersive experience that uses your biodata. And it uses your biodata and hooks up that up to the biodata of the people around you. So you have a shared experience feeling one another's breath, feeling one another's heartbeat. And it's a guided experience. So, um, so I don't know what the what the the 
the measurable, like what happens when you get a group together from a measurable perspective, but certainly when you, when you get to share in an immersive experience like that, that touches you into your body and touches you into the wisdom that's not your mind, and the, which isn't to say the wisdom that's in your mind isn't important. It is. It's just like we're pretty good at that already, you know? So touching into the wisdom of the heart and the wisdom of the breath and touching into that together, and suddenly you have a, a shared experience where you are one body beating together. And it's not only like, like suddenly it's no longer just about where do I go? Where, it's about where do we go together? And, and how do we feel together? And you get this highly empathic experience. You know, like, like I've been very inspired in my designs by psychedelics. But I think a, a place that is just as ripe for drawing inspiration from for gamings is empathogens like MDMA or like certain kinds of breath work. You know, so how do we then then the question becomes, how do we create game systems that bring us into a kind of uh, embodied syncopatic biorhythm together so that we can feel each other's heart more deeply and when we can feel one another's heart more deeply we can we can make decisions from a more compassionate and a more a less dog-eat-dog place and and those decisions are more adaptive for the kinds of problems we face in the world right now yeah man a hundred percent i see the applications for this to be literally endless i i was chatting with lyle before we jumped on the show and he's telling me that he just went to this place somewhere where they did a full VR and it was a workout and what they would have is you'd have like these basic exercises um, and you would have to play the game like shoot a thunderbolt or whatever and it would be a lat pull down and a squat then you know as we as we we were talking about it I just put myself in that experience because I've been in a VR before and I realized how powerful it was and then I the first thing that I thought is I'm in a simulation I must be because I was like all you need is a suit that you put on that has sensors and then now you have that whole sensory experience. Now there's a suit that's being made that he showed me. And so I thought about with this, this is just phase one. Like this is the Atari version of what's capable with um, like it totally a, is, yeah. with an exponential growth on technology. So then I go, okay, I go up to this thing in like a few years time and I go, I'm a skateboarder. I want balance. I want explosiveness and I want this. And it sets up different exercises through gamification. And I'm not even thinking about what my body's doing. I'm just reacting to the game like dance, dance revolution. So that's a physical um, application for it but I think that there's literally endless applications when you when you take that container the rule sets the ability to transform consciousness through all of these senses and uh, reverse engineer it with that in mind so the question that I wanted to ask is like what do you see if you could start sprouting these things up what would you see like a very not the maximum but but ideally a lot of things that will be implemented and integrated. Like what would you see as a big picture vision? Implemented? Wow. That's a great question. Uh, so I, I don't want to miss a shout out to black box VR. That's the, uh, that's the virtual reality workout that you're we talking. Lyle and my team and I did that together and like, pfft, man, like it takes so much willpower for me to go to the gym and lift some weights or something. And they, they, they used gaming technology to, to make me want to do something that usually I don't want to do. So shout out to them. They're doing really great work and they've got a, their first, their first space to do that is in San Francisco. So I'm sure many of your listeners are there. Definitely recommend trying it. Um, what is the ultimate expression of this? I, okay. 
Uh, all right, I'm gonna go off the deep end on this one. Um, Where I like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna make an assertion that I believe to be true, and some of your listeners may not believe to be true, but it's just this is what the universe appears to be, as far as I can tell. It, it's just not what it appears to be. It's it's what we experience in our day to day reality is is a tiny sliver of what reality is um and and it not only that but it's defined or constructed in part by our technologies you know if you like the universe to a uh, a protestant american and look even if you don't identify as a christian your culture is fundamentally protestant which means that the core of your your being unless you grew up somewhere else or unless you've done like a lot of training or something like that the core of your being is protestant so um a protestant culture like ours is is a way of looking at the universe it's a moralistic way of the universe it believes in cause and effect um it believes in um a family and hard work there's all sorts of things that our lens are are, are and i'll call it a protestant lens i imagine that'll be a, a little um what's the word people won't like it but but whatever um but like our protestant lens is it does frame our reality it does create our reality it helps us identify like even define what is real versus what's not real like like i said there's so much going on in any given moment but what seems to be real for you is based on where you put your attention and how you know how to place your attention that like actually here's another little just a short guided meditation for anyone right now just like tune in to reality right now and so notice all the things that are obviously real you know my voice um perhaps the seat you're sitting on i'm i'm looking at a little money tree in front of me right now that's pretty clearly real all the things that you know how to identify and label and so on and now see if you can shift your attention to everything else just like the stuff that you're used to ignoring you know the random thoughts the little blips of color that come up in your subconscious the the slight changes in the rhythm of your heartbeat that buzzing sensation through your whole being all of that is just as real and i don't even think it's less important you know it's just like we are trained to understand certain parts of a reality and pay attention to certain parts of reality and not others so in order to answer the question like okay gonna root us back in the question what's the ultimate potential of this all right so what's our reality right now it's basically a protestant reality now how different is that to an animistic reality where and you can you can touch into this right now so so again drop into your experience of being and allow everything in your reality to have a soul to be alive and i find that that's more of a process of allowing i don't have to pretend it if i just grant consciousness and some sense of 
being. You know, I, I'm looking at my desk and I language this as desk, but I could just as easily say, this is the spirit of desk appearing to me. I mean, it's very easy for you to do that with my voice. You know, you hear Robin, Robin's voice. You could say that's, that's an object, that's Robin's voice. Or you could say that's the spirit of Robin appearing to me through voice. So an animistic reality is a very, very, very different reality to live in. Now, the kinds of technologies you might make as an animist are very different from the kinds of technologies you might make as a Protestant. And I think that we're undergoing right now a radical shift in how we experience reality. I've had experiences where what I thought was reality uh, on ayahuasca, just to give a little context, where what I thought was reality was just disassembled and I saw and felt beings come in and re like come between everything and change everything. And like, it was like they were cleaning. It's like I was a machine and they took me apart and they cleaned me and they put me back together slightly differently. So once you've witnessed something like that, reality is just different, you know? And so from the place where that's the reality I live in, and I, so I live in a reality where there are, you know, nth dimensional beings or whatever that are, that I can't comprehend or perceive. And they, and, and I live in a reality where um, there's much more going on than just um, the objects I see and how I can use them and so on. And that, that influences how I can make use of the tools that I have. So I think the, the real answer to your question, what's the ultimate potential of this? Right now, it's, it's basically limited by the, by the belief set and by the experiential reality of the people making these technologies. Now, when, you, when you're a, uh, a Protestant and you're, you're living in the material world, the beautiful and powerful material world we've created, that sets a limit to, to what you can create. You know, I'm, I'm creating something for other people who perceive the world in roughly the same way. You know, like that right there is a design limitation based on the idea of what a person is, based on the idea of, of, of who you are and who they are, based on your own perceptual reality and what you project their perceptual reality to be. But once we have a shift in consciousness and once we're living in a cultural context where there is a shared understanding of that shift in consciousness, what we can create is just radically different. So... I don't know what those technologies are. But I do know they're going to be very, very different and they're going to do things for people, I hope. I was about to say do things to people, but I hope for people that we can't even begin to fathom right now. And there's no reason to believe that a, um, a technology that has been around for you know thousands of maybe even i mean hundreds of thousands of years like cooking or a modern technology like virtual reality gaming that any of these things can be different and can have different potential and ends when they are used by a consciousness that just has a different sense of what reality is so that's my long way of saying, I don't know. <laughs> oh man. Well, you know what? I, I was able to follow you because I've had those experiences. I've had them uh, through meditation. I've had them uh, through psychedelics and ayahuasca. And when each I've had those experiences, what happened was that 
the reality that I experienced was much more real and vivid and immersive and powerful than the existence of being alive. It was, it shattered everything that I thought I knew about anything. And it, my brain and my mind cannot comprehend any of the experience. It's just something that, uh, you know, that I went through and I could try to put words to something that there are no words for. You know, one of the examples that I use, it would be like, if you had that experience and you gave the experience to a duck and the duck became fully conscious and he, the duck had asked questions about all the different stuff. You, you could put a duck in a VR, explain that to him. And then all of a sudden the duck, you'd be like, all right, my little friend, you're going to go back to being a duck now. And here you go. And as he's going back to being a duck, he's going to lose all the language, all the understanding, all the experience. But it would be like even more accurately, probably being a duck on a planet he's never even seen before. He would have no reference point. You know what I mean? We have no reference point for anything. So where it could go could be anywhere. And I think that the the beginning point of this might might need to be like peace. You know, I think that when I talk to the elders, I like to – look at all views of the world because there's so much going on now we have we have an opportunity through technology like never before to make such a a massive impact yet as a species i don't know what i would consider to be if we're in a technological or if we're an advanced species what is an advanced species is it one that murders each other uh in mass numbers you know how do we move beyond this warring culture where we have these individual sets of beliefs and cultures where we battle each other rather than come to the most primal initiative. And I don't know if it's like, uh, what is it? Michael Miyakaku? What's his name? You know what I'm talking about? He does the, somebody's going to know it. Um, but it's the, uh, Miyakaku fellow and I'm butchering his name. I apologize, but he, I believe it was him that wrote about the types of civilizations. And I believe type three is where you go beyond warring. And, and I feel like even this technology would have implications for that because it requires an expansion of consciousness to let go of all you hold dear that might not be absolutely correct or coherent in the world. So one of the examples, you know, having a podcast in uh, religion and spirituality, and I know people who are Catholic people and I like them and they're great people and they're involved in the community and they do all kinds of great stuff. Now on a bigger scope, if you look at, you know, some of the things that they've done through uh, throughout history, not so good. And it doesn't need, it shouldn't be a battle versus a Catholic versus a Muslim versus something else or white or black or whatever nonsense game we're playing. We need to, we need to go beyond that and having a consciousness expanding experience that goes beyond your own predefined rule sets and beliefs and experiences allows a doorway and a space for compassion, for more understanding, for wanting to know more about the other one, then impose your view or way of the world on someone else. And when you talked about the gaming thing, what it made me think of is when you come into the world, you have like the physical body, you've got the console and you get to work with that, but you also get, you also get, (laughs) you also get the programming from your peers from whatever your dad tells you that's going to go in there from whatever your mom is telling you that's going to go in there from the space that you grew up in from your culture from all of that stuff you know you don't grow up in um you know a muslim country and become you know a, a catholic usually because it's just it just doesn't make any sense it's not what the culture is yeah. doing and, and, and also cultural context to be able to embed that in your reality you can't really be a 
um, it's it's difficult to be a practicing Catholic in um, uh, I I wouldn't even know um, <laughs> what city to to give an example as, but but yeah, it's 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 your core belief system that you grew up with, and it's the cultural context that reinforces that, and and you can have like a core belief system that shifts, but then if you're not vigilant, the the cultural context will will pull you back into kind of a consensus, which is, I don't necessarily even think that's a bad thing. Um, that's, that's part of what stops us all from going crazy, but um, it, it does, to access the kind of states we're talking about with an acknowledgement that, and I think it's useful to, to look at our culture and, and be grateful, you know, like even all the warring and the, the, uh, like the commodification of attention and and what have you like I find it's if if I shift into a place of judging that it's like judging my parents you know for not knowing what I know or for not having discovered or judging my ancestors for not having figured out how to um, how to reduce uh, their carbon footprint or how to drive around in a car um, so whatever the the thing that seems to be a problem is right now that's that's just like our our theoretical ancestry or our uh, uh like our cognitive ancestry does that make sense right and, or our cultural ancestry and we we can't we have to build on that because you can't separate from it i mean maybe you can a little bit but i found for myself that like the more i try to be like Gah! These people I'm surrounded by don't get it. The more I miss out on the wisdom that's evolved thousands and thousands and thousands of years that I wasn't there for, uh, that I don't get. And, and the less effective I am because I don't actually have compassion for it. So like, like think of, the, think of the, the worst thing about your culture. Uh, like you could probably find it, you know? Um, it's the thing that screams at you is like the people around me are so stupid and awful and I've got it figured out and they don't. If we can have compassion for that and love it and be curious about it, you know, be like, hey, what are you trying to teach me? Rather than like, I've got it figured out, you know, I find that these things work together with whatever, whatever the newer understandings that are coming through in your uh, transcendent experiences are like so whatever you learn from asking the question like why do we go to war with people why do we kill one another um, why do we do whatever you know um, I have my own things but if I if I can approach that and like welcome it to be as it is and accept it and accept that it can teach me and then like bring in the learning then I can create a technology or something, whatever, like I'm a technologist. So like, that's, that's like what I can do. But if you're a cook, then I can create the food, then I can create the whatever, not to try to fix that problem, but to actually like connect these two worlds, integrate them or something. Um, yeah, man. Well, well, I think that's an, a really important point that you made that it's not to like, and, and I think you touched on it in your TED talk and I invite everybody to go check that out. What's the title of it so they can find it? Oh, it's, um, I'll, I'll, um, I'll send it to me. I got it. 
let me see here. TED Talk. Let me pull it up. It is. You might hear it in the background. Video games for a more mindful reality or something like that? Designing video games for a more mindful world with Robin Arnott. TEDx. Yeah, like so I invite people to check that out because you make a lot of really great points. And I think that's important not to put it down or say it's bad, but we need to move to a new understanding because we have a lot of harm through old systems, old beliefs, and it gives us an opportunity to make change, to affect change. And there's never been a time on this planet where we have more resources to make change, to see a problem and to move toward a solution with all of the money and technology and influence that's coming out of Silicon Valley. If they, you know, took, you know, one third of those people and said, all right, our goal is peace. Our goal is uh, cleaning the oceans. Our goal is whatever the case may be in improving education. And we, t we, we bring some like humanitarian missions in a very real, real way and look for solutions to power and influence. And the way that the internet works now, it's immediate. And if it makes sense and it works and it's a better system, we're just going to adopt it as a culture. And when you make it fun, and that's what gaming only, does. It only if, we'll adopt it as a culture, only if it actually integrates with what came before, I believe. And that's the, I think this is the danger of, of, and we've all been through it, you know, like <clears throat> you discover something, you have some, and like suddenly like, oh my God, I've been treating the people around me like garbage. And it doesn't work to then like point the finger and say like, hey, everybody stop treating people around you like garbage. You know, it just doesn't for whatever reason. And, and, and it's like, this is the thing I come back to again and again and again and again is like, it is so, so, so tempting to, to come in and try to change our culture or change technology or whatever. Like I talk about changing video games, changing the institution of video games, but I would be like one thirtieth as effective at, at, if I believed that there was something wrong with video games. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's some, I love like shooting video games and I play XCOM 2, which is all about like big burly men with guns killing aliens. And I love it. I love it. I think it's good. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, and as soon as we come in to change something because it's wrong or broken, we just become less effective, you know? So like to me, the one thing of this, it actually makes me like so sad. Um, we get these downloads and, and they're for us. And we have to, we have to bring it to the world. But, but like the only way it works is to love the world as it is while you're bringing it. You know, and and so like I I I like caution people, or I want to caution people. Like if you want, if you want, if you believe you have something to change the world, you have to love the world first as it is. And this is something that it's just like I don't know, man. There are so many ways. Here, here's an example. You know, you mentioned there's so many ways that our civilization causes harm, right? And that's true. But every one of those ways that causes harm was an answer to a problem that felt more pressing in the moment and and was a, an adaptation in the moment. And, and like we have to have compassion for that, you know. Um, or maybe maybe I'm coming in and being like hard against the uh, the thing that comes in hard, you know, like maybe I'm being a hypocrite right now, but that's just, it's a place I, I have a lot of, uh, like, I feel my heart a lot.
Well, I, I definitely agree with, with your perspective and the way that you're coming about it to accept the world as it is. Um, and there's an opportunity to improve it, you know, with, with your yeah, company. You, you know, if you chose the route of making a game with the sole intention to make as much money as you wanted and to make it the most fun, that's okay. That would be your choice. My suggestion is that if we can ha inspire people culturally around the world through education through whatever it means like when you watch something you get a result if you watch a horror movie it's going to affect your consciousness in a certain way totally. you know? if you're, you're talking about the video game you're talking about it's not it's not a bad thing right but i'm when my child's born i'm not going to let a three-year-old play a shooting game until they're at a certain thing because it affects the quality of their consciousness now if there are games that are in existence that will improve their quality of consciousness help them understand themselves i'm saying that there's a lot of opportunity for people to move towards that way of thinking not wrong if someone else is doing it that way and don't spend your time judging them the suggestion oh, yeah. that there's a ton of of areas where we can look at problems that we're facing as a humanity you know because the thing is like some things are not great like i look at the things from a systematic point of view you know like mm. uh you look at in incarceration just one small thing in the states incarceration you have the most incarcerated people on the planet and it's a private business that's not good that creates all kinds that's not the most efficient effective um what's it like more not the most beautiful way that we can do it right we can we can improve that we can do a better job of that, you know? And that's the thing. It's like, okay, cool. And what you're suggesting is don't push it under. Don't say it didn't exist. Like, that's a part of it. Now, what I'm suggesting is like, now we build that thing with from what we know to, to the better thing, to whatever that is. And what that requires, though, and you alluded to it a little bit earlier, is this, this end of competitive thinking. And one of the, one of the things that I, people sometimes talk about new earth or 5d or whatever. Um, I just like to think about it as cooperative thinking, not from what can I get, but how can I contribute to my community? You know, what does that guy need down the road? How can, and that's what you're doing with your job. You know, you and it's not wrong if anyone else does it any other way and they want to do it that way, that's fine. But you're choosing to be intentional about what you do. You're choosing and you're saying, you know what, I see an opportunity that I think I can affect positive change. And that comes from being, you know, a little bit um, for having values, for wanting to contribute, to wanting to live a life well expressed. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And so that's learned and cultivated through the individual. And if we can create spaces that allow that, and actually there's a, Lyle wrote a question that I thought was really, really good. And I wanted to bring it up to you. Um, let me pull it up because I thought it was uh, worded well. Um, Man, you've got to bring Lyle onto this podcast because uh, uh, he's an interesting guy. <laughs> oh, We've been yeah, talking he, about. He's going to be there. So this is how he worded it. And I'm going to add on to what I think about it. But he goes, what is the modern sanctuary and how do you see our younger generations adopting technology and spirituality in a communal environment? And and here again, it's like when you go to different spaces, you get different experiences. If you sign up for the military and you're going to war, you're going to get a certain experience. If you sign up to go for a swim, you're going to get a different experience. If you sign up to um, uh, do a meditation, you're going to get a different experience. So what is the possibility of creating these empowering containers which you could do virtually through gaming that create a container for accelerated learning, uh, changing altered states, even like to a, a psychedelic experience and uh, communal peace and harmony and respect for one another. Then from my background in martial arts, that's one of the things you go into the gym and it's respect for teacher, respect for self, 
respect for your classmate. And it's a simple way of, I don't know how to word it, like being a moral human, not necessarily good. And it's not to judge the, the person down the street as being a crazy lunatic. That's, a, that's allowed to be in the simulation too. The idea is that's your cultivation. And if you can steer that way, it's probably going to be a little bit more meaningful and experience and it's, it's up to us, but the containers allow that transformation to happen. Yeah. I think it's just a more beautiful way to be. Um, and, and, you know, this is one of the things video games offer. So we're, we live in a rule set. We live in a game and the game that we, that we, we live in right now is one that rewards certain things it rewards profit and rewards individualism it rewards um it not only rewards but it like everywhere you look validates this way of seeing this kind of comes back to i keep coming back to this just like you know the protestant frame versus the animistic frame versus the like whatever fifth dimensional ayahuasca frame um we're all playing a game at every level i'm not sure i mean I don't know if there's a level that we're not playing a game or I don't know if, I don't know if I certainly don't believe human consciousness is capable of not playing a game. I might be wrong about that, but it seems to be like fundamental to psychology that we're playing games upon games, upon games, upon games, upon games. And if you have a, like, I'm trying this belief on, I'm not, I'm not sure I believe it, but I'm trying it on. I imagine that if you think you have a moment where you're not playing a game anymore, it's just like you've released yourself of one layer of the game. There's, there's always more layers. There seems to be. And our internal games that we play are a reflection of the external games that we're playing. And when we play a game that's a, an intentional context to try a different rule set, then it can change who we are. And, and choosing the games that we play to, and choosing the games that we create, you know, you don't have to be a game designer as a, as a, as a podcaster, you're, you're creating a space for people to think in a certain way. And there's a, like, there's kind of a game to that. You know what I mean? Um, maybe game isn't the best term for it, but, but there's this thing going on where you're, you're interfacing with the world and people are listening to you in a certain way and they listen to you differently to if they were listening to a piece of fiction or they listen to you differently than they might listen to like a different personality. So like each of us, we create games for other people and in our work, we create games for other people. And in our culture, we're, we're co-playing, co-creating a game that then our children learn how to play and that becomes part of their psychology. And I, I do believe that the world of gaming has just like this really I think once people are, th are thinking about this intentionally rather than just unconsciously creating the things that they're interested in, you, you, I think the next generation of creators is going to make just like, like really amazing things that we can't imagine. You know, it's almost, we take it for granted that we can't imagine the world 50 years or 60 years from now. If you're, if you're aware of what's going on technologically, um, if you're aware of what, what's going on kind of spiritually, you know, we're having massive spiritual shifts. Um, we just we just can't imagine it but it does seem to me like we're reaching a, a tipping point you know where the the pace of acceleration of change is it's getting faster and faster it used to be that people your culture would play the same game for tens of thousands of years the same game for tens of thousands of years there's something beautiful in that 
but now we're playing a different game every every few months together you know the way i don't know how familiar are you with uh spiral dynamics and integral psychology like none oh my god this is so <laughs> exciting this is my jam uh, all right i don't know if i want to get too deeply into it right now but but basically we look at the evolution of human consciousness and it follows a certain kind of spiral path. Um, and there are these distinct stages, you know, you don't sort of gradually fade from a, uh, a magical thinking way of looking at the world into a, an autocratic way of looking at the world um, into a, uh, a tribal tribalist way of looking at the world. You know, these are stages of human psychology that shift very suddenly. And our culture can bring people into a, a certain shift. But then it seems to me like the, the acceleration is just getting faster and faster. Um, and I think as people start seeing these technologies as a way to like open up the greatest potential of the people who are interacting with them. And for those of us who are, I mean, all of us are designing culture in a way, but those of us who are doing it intentionally, it, it's exponentially more powerful. And and it releases the creativity of the next generation, which would, you know what I mean? It's just like a, like a waterfall. It's like a, a, an explosion happening right now. Yeah. Is my life on this gaming. Well, there's so many, like when you talk, you, it's interesting because you make me think about things that the same thing in a little bit of a different way. And, um, it's so great. What, what it came up for me is like, uh, um, you're saying game and, and Alan Watts talks about, you know, the meaning of life and he talks about, you know, being a game and the idea is supposed to have fun. We're supposed to have fun, but we're going around stressed out of all these different things. How do you get your consciousness to a, a place where you actually are having fun? But another way that I think it was brilliantly put is by Bill Hicks. I'm going to read it because it's, it's so worth it, but uh, I'm sure you've heard this before, but it's like the world is like a ride in an amusement park. And when you choose to go on it, you think it's real because that's how powerful our minds are. The ride goes up and down, around and around. It has thrills and chills, and it's very brightly colored, and it's very loud, and it's fun for a while. Many people have been on the ride a long time, and they begin to wonder, hey, is this real, or is it just a ride? And other people have remembered, and they come back to us and say, hey, don't worry. Don't be afraid ever, because this is just a ride. And I think it's the same way to think about it in a game in that experience and it can be more fun it can be more uh it from like a problem solving i remember learning uh something from david lombear once and he's just like you know um don't don't see them as problems just see them as like you know puzzles and i was like oh my god it's such a better way to see it's like this is the puzzle and each game has a harder and harder puzzle but we have the emotional aspect of this game which is why it can be hard and we also have memory so that we can learn um but what happens is we kind of get stuck in that little piece of data that was really challenging and we're not able to move past so we need to learn these so things. then we're staying in the playing the same game we were playing 10 years ago and it was like you don't need to be playing that game anymore yeah yeah 100 percent does yeah 100 percent. and you know what i wanted to, to ask you was you know what do you see as far as like the integrations of ai virtual reality you know i think it's going to be a really interesting thing like when lyle and i were talking about the workout game i just thought about how it would adapt through 
being able to be fed so much information about the best workouts, the best things to the individual as an artificial intelligence with a full-on virtual experience to provide me with the greatest workout of all time done through science. And I was like, oh my goodness, if you're measuring brainwave states and what's happening in the mind for accelerated learning even, you're like, you're like, oh, we're going to go through this documentary or this book. And you could add elements of this in certain ways to experience a documentary, a book, learning, education, music, art. You know, it's not fully as a, a immersed now, but they're using VR for Formula One racing. Obviously, they're using it for football players. And that's just VR. You know, there are so many other elements to like what you are suggesting and there's other ways to integrate in very interesting and powerful technology to accelerate the learning even more. Um, wow. <laughs> Here, can you help me boil that down into like a, a um, like if you can boil that down into like just one or two sentences because there's, there's so much there for me to think about. Yeah, man, that was my rant, but I could kind of focus on <laughs> something. But the name, too, that actually came to me in the break was uh, uh, about the civilizations as, was uh, Michio Kaku. So my apologies. He's a brilliant man. Um, I always mess up his name, so I'm going to remember that. Um, but I guess the question would be, from your perspective, also, too, the other thing that I wanted to share about understanding the mind and, and you from coding, because you talk about rule sets, from studying consciousness and psychology and hypnosis and all these different things, that's what it taught me to do, neurolinguistic programming, was to change the software of my body. And when you can do that, you have much more freedom in the experience to be able to shift your perspective, your consciousness, your way of being, your breath, your brainwave state. That's what that's actually doing. Then you can pick out the coding that you prefer. Oh, I prefer this and this and this. And you can learn through very easy techniques to install that in your consciousness. Now, I've, I've thought about many different applications of how you could do that through a VR experience. You know, some people have affirmations, you see some subliminal messages, right? Um, we're getting subliminal messages all the time. They're just not probably ideal for us. It's eat the all you can eat $10 KFC. That's why if I were American, I'd, I'd be the fattest person there because I'd be like, I $10 all you can eat. I can't pass that up. I'm just going to be Everything else is going out the window and I'm eating all the chicken and I'm eating all the ice cream. Um, but if we can learn how to hypnotize ourselves, to encode our programming, and once that shifts, you're changing the rule sets. And you're going to change the experience within the game. Once you do that, it has to happen. Um, so I remember reading recently. I wish I could remember where I read it because it was really interesting. But it pointed out that... Um, the the way we understand ourselves and our bodies we inherit a a metaphor set from the preeminent technology available to us so when steam was the you know you had steam engines moving uh, which were how our account economy operated right uh, we thought about the body or our culture thought about the body as as a machine and we thought about pressure building up and and this informed the the nascent approach to psychology you know like we even talk about psychology this way like like oh i have so much pressure building up i have to blow off some steam or um we think about we kind of think about trauma in this way a little bit right like like there's a buildup of pressure which moves something 
So I don't know to what degree it's true or not, but it is interesting to me how our current technological, uh, the height of our technologies is computers and artificial intelligence and, and code and so on. And, and through that lens, we've learned so much about our psychology and so much about our bodies. And you hear people talk about it right now. They talk about my programming. Or they talk about, uh, like with neuro-linguistic programming, we talk about reprogramming. Um, and I wonder, like, what's, I wonder what are the limitations of this way, of our, this metaphor set? you know like what happens when the metaphor set is is the blockchain or something like that what does that teach us about who we are what happens when you know artificial intelligence is as developed as it's i, I mean this stuff's growing so fast you know um what how does that change who we are and how does that change how we relate to ourselves you know and who am i if i relate to myself I think actually, I, I'll tell you where I think this was from. I think this is from um, from the book *Sapiens* by Yuval Harari, or by or, or it might have been his second book. Both amazing books, highly recommend them. Uh, the second book is called uh, *Homo Deus*, which is about the effort that humans are making to turn themselves into to gods. Amazing book. If you want to understand what's happening in technology and in culture in the world right now, I would totally recommend starting with Sapiens and then reading Homo Deus. So I think it's in that book about these metaphor sets. Um, so yeah, I, I, so that's that I'm going a little meta on your question right now because, um, and, but now to come back down into, you know, my metaphor set, which is a, a, a computer metaphor set, you know, I think about my programming and, and how do I reprogram myself? Um, it's actually pretty easy to do, you know, when you've got an adaptive metaphor set like that, knowing that you can reprogram yourself, like memory is a great example. We know about memory and have for a good while now that you never access the same memory twice, that when you access a memory, you change it, which means that every time you go into the memory, every time you remember something, you have an opportunity to make it a little more joyful, you know? So it's like, if you remember um, somebody who like just triggered the shit out of you or somebody who hurt you a lot. And as you bring up that memory, you just hold love, compassion. And then you switch to something else. The memory goes back down and you've reprogrammed it with love. And so now you just have less guk in your body. Um, I know a person who's, who's developing a software system for doing exactly that, you know, using muscle testing to figure out where the places that you have built up guk, then guiding you into accessing that and then reprogramming it with, with love or whatever. And then you move on to the next thing. And this is how, like, like once we have this understanding, once we have a valid metaphor set, it makes me wonder, actually, if when we make these technologies, if it's not, you know, I talk about, or Yuval Harari talks about, we interpret ourselves through the metaphor set out here that we've created. But I wonder to what degree it's the opposite, you know? I wonder to what degree it's like once we master some expression of being a human, we gain access to a new metaphor set in ourselves, which allows us to create something 
externally. You know, I wonder to what degree one causes the other, which is interesting because if that's true, then there's something fundamentally real about computing, more real about computing than computers. And there's something more fundamentally real about steam engines and pistons and pressure than steam engines and pistons and pressure, you know? And maybe there's something more fundamentally real about the blockchain and about uh, uh, computational learning and, and whatever the cutting edge is right now about virtual reality. You know, virtual reality makes for a really great metaphor set, like putting on one reality and taking off another. Like what happens when you learn, we get so used to doing this that we learn to take off our realities, that it becomes so woven into our understanding of the, of the world uh, I could be having a conversation with you and I can be like, hold on just a second. I'm just going to take off my reality for a second and witness you through a different reality, you know? And maybe that's, maybe that's not our technology informing us. Maybe that's actually us through thousands of years and through collaboration and so on, discovering deeper and deeper layers of truth and translating those layers of truth into, into our, our technium. Technium is a great word. <laughs> Technium is a word from What Technology Wants by Kevin Kelly. Um, you can probably intuit what it means from the word. It means like the kingdom of technology. If you think of the animal kingdom, the vegetable kingdom, the technium is the technical kingdom, the kingdom of technology. That's amazing. Bro, what an interesting few paragraphs to ponder. Um, metaphor sets can you you know i kind of understand it but uh just i want to ask you like define metaphor set like is it in relation to how we identify with the world and i think you know my mind was going all over the place there just thinking about it and we're evolved consciousness in itself is this mysterious thing we haven't identified and we have the physical world which we've looked at scientifically that disappears and reappears when we boil it right down and you know you've spoken in that middle part when i said what's the big picture and you're like you know Am I even in this reality? What is this reality? And it's a very fascinating thing. And I think it's fascinating to be alive. And what I hope Isn't for... Isn't it an amazing moment to be alive right now? Isn't yeah. it just amazing? Yeah. And that's what I was hoping for, you know, to, to, to allow an experience in myself because it's the only consciousness of reality that I can perceive. And it could be right or wrong or flawed or whatever, but it's only what I have experienced in and, and I'm experiencing. So how my question for myself is how do I make this a very enjoyable experience, make it fun, take risks, go explore the things I want, you know, have the courage to do those things. And I hope that this conversation just inspires people a little bit to, you know, awaken that in themselves a little bit because it's personal responsibility. And the way that my mind went to so many different ways in this, in this episode, man, and, and the application, the sincere, and powerful application and potential in gaming for mindfulness, transformation, consciousness, accelerated learning um, on an individual, collective, communal scale is massive. And uh, I just am so grateful for what you're doing and your intention and um, going out there, man. I appreciate you coming on the show. Is there anything that you wish that I had asked or anything that you want to explore before we close it out? Because this has been amazing. Well, thank you. I'm grateful for the conversation. I mean, I mean, I, uh, you've been, uh, you're a joy to, to explore with. Um, for those of you who don't uh, know, which is all of you, we, we 
as, as Matt said, he starts the episode before we go in with a breath and sharing an intention. And, and my intention was to discover because it's so easy when you do a lot of interviews just to kind of recite the same shit again and again. And that's just like not the way I want to do anything. So this has been so much discovery for me. Um, and as such, there's nothing that I, w I wish you'd ask me now because I don't have an agenda. Um, it's just been like a really joyful conversation. Um, I'd, I'd uh, uh, in fact, I'd almost like not want to um, add any more to, cause it's such a, it's, it's been, we've gone so deep into a lot of different explorations, you know? So I'm, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to explore. And I'm really grateful. I hope that folks listening to this were, um, uh, well, I mean, we, we all went into something together and I'm grateful to, to have the people listening in on this. It's hard to describe, but, but they're a part of it. You know, I can feel it. 100%. Thank you for listening. Yeah, dude. Well, yeah, same. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, where can people find more about you if they want to look at your work, if they want to try a sound self, which is super cool? Um, I invite everybody to check that out. I'm super excited about what you're going to bring in the future. Um, and, yeah, anybody out there that's hearing this in the tech space and, and anything like that, the potential for this, for – for using gaming to affect real change and real development through consciousness and mindset and empowering people. You know, that's, that's why I do martial arts is to empower myself. That's why you teach it to kids to empower the mind, body, spirit, more technologies around personal empowerment, understanding self-worth, less disconnection, um, harm and uh, lack of compassion, you know? So there's a huge opportunity here, man. And I'm so excited to see what can come of this what will come of it. Yeah, me too, man. And it's like, like, I, 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 I like to think that I'm, I'm pretty well educated and well versed on certain topics. But the more educated and well versed I am, the more I'm just like, it's mysterious to me, you know, which is why it's so exciting to me to share with you. Because like, I don't come like, here are the answers. Here's what I know. Here's what's happening. You know, it's just like, wow, so much is happening. And, and there's so many interesting questions unfolding right now. I'll speak to, if people want to learn more about my work and about my company's work, my company is Andromeda Entertainment. We are a publishing company for video games that are designed to heighten a person's state of consciousness. And my project SoundSelf, which we talked about this, S-O-U-N-D-S-E-L-F, you can find that at soundself.com. If you are a practitioner, uh, like a psychedelic practitioner or a psychological practitioner, and you think this might be interesting to your work, please be in touch. We are starting a pilot program to explore this technology for uh, healing settings. And the game is not out yet, but if you sign up to the mailing list on soundself.com, then we will let you know as soon as it's out. Matt, let's go ahead and just check first that there actually is a mailing list because I keep sending people the mailing list and it'd be awkward if it's all. <laughs> Soundself.com. If not, you better create one. Yeah, I better create one soon, right? Let's see. Demo, awards, media, contact. Contact, yes. Yeah, there's a contact sheet right at the bottom. And a newsletter. Look at that. There is a newsletter. Okay, yes. Yeah, so please reach out via that website, sign up to the newsletter, and we'll let you know when the, when the experience is ready. Awesome. Robin, my friend, it's so good to see you. It's so good to catch up and dive this deep with you. I'm wishing you all the best, man. I appreciate you and your work. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Grateful to connect. Thank you. All Bye. right. See you later. See you guys. Peace.
All right, guys, that wraps up that amazing episode with Robin Arnott. I hope that you enjoyed it and learned a lot. I am very, very adamant on this this conversation and the potential for gaming and the good it could do on the planet if we use that. Everything we discussed, I can't believe it's not talked about more, but the power of gaming to transform consciousness is right there. There is massive latent potential for us to really you know, transform consciousness, and we need that at this time. We need to be programming our kids with positive belief systems, with everything that we can do with what we know about science and and everything in that realm to empower them and right now it's just used as a distraction device it's not helping at all so lots of potential i hope that you enjoyed it if you liked it please take a screenshot share on instagram tag me at matt belair please leave a review in itunes if you haven't already it, it is pure gold for algorithms toss a bucket in the bucket on patreon and that also helps immensely you can go to patreon.com forward slash matt belair and uh, even if it's a buck helps so much um saved my butt lots of times so far and so uh, what else? Oh, yeah, the act of kindness. That's the best thing you can do. Please do one kind act for someone else today. That's how I really measure if the podcast is working, is how many kind acts someone else is doing. So please consider that. Pay it forward. Pick up a piece of trash. Listen to somebody. Be compassionate. Be patient. Whatever you got to do, do one kind act for someone else today, and you got it. If you guys are interested in coaching, speaking, and training, hit me up, Matt at zenathlete.com. I have custom courses for pretty much everything around consciousness, mindfulness, um, personal development, because this is what the podcast is about, figuring out what the most powerful techniques are to live an amazing life, connect to spirit, connect to our purpose, um, and and experience joy and bliss and happiness and, and uh, improve the quality of our life, improve the quality of our communities, improve the quality of our consciousness. So if you're down with that, mattadsanathlete.com and we will work together and we'll do something awesome Um, so that's it I'm going to wrap it up here thank you guys so much for listening let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close it out so wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing taking a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and just let it out slowly filling every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being with joy peace energy contentment empowerment connection and ready to take on the rest of the day knowing that the entire universe is on your side that you are a divine incredible spirit that you are magnificent as you are have an amazing day and i'll see you in the next episode